0: morning. I'm going to be reading you today from John's Gospel, chapter 13, starting at verse 30, and then all of chapter 14. Right. Verse 30. As soon as Judas had been take, taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. And when he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If man is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself. And will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer, and it will look for, you will look for me just as I told the Jews. So I will tell you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, Where I am going you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will have disowned me three times. Chapter 14 Do do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. For in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I am going there to prepare a place for you. And I go and prepare a place for you, and I will come back and take you with me, that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the pl- place I'm going. And Thomas asked him, Lord, why don't you know where we, we are going? For well, how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If anyone knew me, they would know my Father as well. And from now on, you know him and you have seen him. And Philip asked, Lord, show us the Father, for that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Do you not know me, Philip? Even after I have been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show me the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? These words I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living me in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am the Father, that I am in the Father and the Father in me, um, and at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I will tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing and will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Son will bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command and I will ask the Father and he will give you another counsellor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him, because they have not seen him or know him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. And I have how long? Um, and I will not leave you as orphans. I will see you. Before long, the world will see me no more, and you will see me, because I live, and you also will live. On that day, you realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he will be the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him who shows himself to me. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and he will come to him and dwell... And make his home with him, and he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own, they belong to the Father who sent me. All this has been spoken while I am with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. My peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as one of the world gives do not leave your heart, do not let your hearts be troubled. Be not afraid. And he heard, he heard me say, I am going away, and I am coming back to you. If you love me, you will be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I, and I have told you before now, before it happens, so that when it happens, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer. For the Prince of this world is coming, and he has no hold on me. But the world must learn that I love the Father, and I will do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come, let us leave. Thank you.
1: Uh, This is such a a, a fantastic part of the Bible. Uh, I wet myself in excitement. (laughs) So um, I hope that's not a distraction (laughs) over the course of... uh, Going through a little bit more slowly, uh, these wonderful words of Jesus. Here at uh, Gossip PC, as we as have already been mentioned, we believe that the Bible, all of it, is God's word. Uh, it's not just written by men uh, as some historical account, but it is actually God speaking to us. And so it's a privilege to hear from God and from our Lord Jesus uh, through these pages. I'm going to pray now that we might be aware of that and sensitive to it. And So let's talk to God. Gracious Father, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that it is an incredible gift to us as your word, as you speaking to us. We ask that you would help us now to listen, to hear what you're saying, so that we might know you more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, There's a song by the band Metric. I don't know if you've heard of this band. It's a great band. Uh, And the song's called Handshakes. And uh, it's got a really catchy tune and uh, cynical lyrics, uh, but by virtue of that, once it's in your head, you just can't get it out. You can't get it out of your head. I won't sing it for you, uh, even though I pretty, could do a pretty good job of think. but uh, the words go like this. All right? So you want to get in and then you want to get out. When you get the money to buy yourself a castle, how will you wear your leisure? Your zipper back and front on the fence together, weekends in leather, flip to the right... Slip back to the left for handshakes at the ranch, small talk at the crossroads, rubbing up to the ladder, sucking on every run, coming up forever and hanging on. Buy this car, drive to work, drive to work to pay for this car, buy this car to drive to work, drive to work. So you want to get in and, you wanna, and you're going to get out, but you won't because it's a trap. Now I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Uh, Trapped by a life that just seems to go around and around, uh, because you got to go to school, or you got to go to work, or you got to do that professional uh, development to get the smarts, or the money, or the info to do what you want to get out of the rat race. But the rat race never ends uh, because the goalposts keep shifting, and so you think the holidays—well, there's the, they're, they're the thing They'll, that'll do it—but then they're over, and they weren't as good as you hoped they were going to be. Uh, and there, or there's that big purchase. Uh, or a significant milestone or accomplishment on the social ladder or that relationship win or a health trip, whatever it is that, that that's that next rung on the ladder uh, that you're clinging on to while trying to get up to the next one and maybe it just feels a little bit like the uh, ancient Greek myth Sisyphus condemned to roll a boulder uh, up a hill in the depths of Hades forever. Now it can sometimes feel like life is just a never-ending and ultimately pointless series of struggles to get ahead, and maybe life feels more like a thousand tiny deaths, and we yearn for something better—not just more of the same, but something other, something transcendent, something godlike and special, perhaps something directly from God. Well, back in Jesus' day. Uh, His disciples certainly thought that they had this. With Jesus, they thought they had something pretty special, something special from God. And they got to hang around him for three years or so, long time, three years of seeing him do incredible things, things like turning water into wine, healing the blind, feeding thousands on a first-century McHappy meal, uh, bringing dead people back to life. Uh, In Jesus, they had transcendence, Walking with them through life, talking with them, making their lives meaningful, giving their lives, giving life to their lives. Can you imagine that? Wouldn't it just make life so much easier to navigate if Jesus was right there next to you, uh, walking along. You chat to him and ask him about your life, about about your life. And, and yet, and that's what the disciples had. And yet, at this point in the story of this Gospel of John that we're looking at. Uh, we've got Jesus telling his disciples that he's actually going away and that they can't follow him, they can't be with him anymore. Understandably, they're pretty stressed out about this, they're worried about this. The thought of being set adrift from having this gift from God, Jesus, and and direction and purpose in life with him, perhaps a little bit like how we might feel on occasions stressed out and worried that life is just one disappointment after another on the ladder that we're all expected to climb because we feel we've got nothing really transcendent or, or special or perpetually kind of life-giving to, to hang around and to cling on to. And it's with this kind of worry, this kind of stress, that Jesus looks to comfort his disciples. And he comforts them with a number of things. Richard, first... We might hear him and go, well, that doesn't sound very comforting. It might, be, might not be the comfort that we, that we want, but they're actually, in fact, truly transcendent and truly full of hope and truly full of eternal life. And the first being that God is glorified in Jesus. That's what we're going to see. God is glorified in Jesus. So the Secondly, we might know God in us, or with us and in us. So that's where we're going as we look at this section in the Bible together, that God is glorified in Jesus so that we might know that God is with us and in us. So first up, God's glorified in Jesus. Now you might think, well, how is that a comfort? How is that going to help us when we're stressing about our life? Well, before we dive into what Jesus says, uh, into the specifics of what Jesus says here, it's going to be a whole lot easier uh, if we have our, our head around the idea of the Trinity. You may have heard of the Trinity, yeah? Uh, The Bible talks of God as being one in three. That is, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where the Father is entirely and holy God, the Son is entirely and holy God, and the Holy Spirit is entirely and holy God. And and yet there are not three gods, but one unique three-personed God. And God the Son came as the man Jesus, Jesus Christ, and this understanding about God comes from passages like this one in the Bible, in, and particularly uh, here in the Gospel of John, and helps us to get our heads around what Jesus is saying here as we go on in the story. So, the story so far is it's the, it's the night before Jesus is crucified, uh, It's a Thursday night, he and his mates have been having a meal together, at their last supper together, and Satan has actually entered into one of them, into uh, the guy called Judas Iscariot. And then Judas is nicked off into the night to finish preparing, basically to portray Jesus later on that night. And knowing all this, Jesus turns to the rest of the disciples who were there, the 11 disciples, and he says this. When he was gone, Judas had gone, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in Himself and will glorify Him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You'll look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you can't come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So in summary, what Jesus just said, God will be glorified. I'm going away for a bit. Love one another, okay? And what do the disciples focus on? Hmm, Jesus, tell us a little bit more about God being glorified and loving one another. They sound important. No, they say, where are you going? Where are you going? They're desperate for Jesus to stick around and stressing them out the thought that he's not going to. And so Jesus comforts them. Uh, In chapter 14, in the first sentence there, he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. But he wants their comfort to be firstly in him and in his glory, not in them getting what they want with him staying. So in sentence two, we see he says, you believe in God, believe also in me, trust me. He says, the best thing for you is that I leave so that I might glorify God. And to do so as this son of man character Now, this Son of Man character, that's actually a reference to something in an ancient uh, prophecy in the book of the prophet Daniel, hundreds of years before Jesus. God gave Daniel a vision. It was a pretty disturbing vision uh, of the nations and the rulers around the world at the time, and they were all pictured as monstrous and gruesome. But then in the middle of all this, Daniel sees a ruler who, in contrast to the nations around, is, is actually truly human. And he's called, is uh, one like a son of man. So we read in that vision, in my vision at night, Daniel says, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and he was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. You notice there that this Son of Man is worshipped by people across the globe. That's what's going to happen to this character, this Son of Man character. But only God deserves people's worship. And so this Son of Man must also be divine. He's a, he's a God-man. And by saying that he's this Son of Man, Jesus is actually saying he's this God-man. And as such, God will be glorified in him. Now the word glory, it's a bit of a weird word don't know if you use it often, but it has to do with the idea of weight or heaviness or abundance or wealth or dignity and honour and the means by which Jesus sees God glorified in the sense of being recognised and honoured and dignified for who he is as God is in and with Jesus fulfilling this son of man character and being glorified as such. Now, the Bible closely links God's glory to him being seen and known as God as the Father and the Son know and enjoy each other as such especially after Jesus, the Son in the flesh fulfills this Son of Man character as he loves his Father and obeys him completely which in the story of John is soon to happen and why Jesus says now God will be glorified as Jesus obeys the Father even to death on a cross and rises from the dead Returns to the Father, the Father who receives him and glorifies him with the glory that he had before the creation of the world. So Jesus then is glorified by God who in turn is glorified as God as he is seen to be the Father of the Son. You see, Jesus came to make known God as Father through the Son and in this he's glorified. So without Jesus, we wouldn't know God. We wouldn't know him. We could have a good Stab in the dark, they try and guess at what he's like, but through Jesus we actually know who he is, that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we wouldn't know that he rightly can and does deserve and enjoy all glory as such. You see, as the Son of Man, Jesus is all about God and his glory. He's all about God and his glory. Which, surprise, surprise, is actually a relief for us. Because much of our worries are a worry because why? They're all about us. About what we can't control or try to control. What we try to get or do. And it could be a real relief to realise that life is not about you. About what you can get out of life. That it's actually about someone else about someone transcendent, someone we can trust to give direction in our lives because he knows everything, God himself. And that to love this God is to love that Jesus is with the Father and not physically with us. As Jesus later says to his disciples in sentence 28 of chapter 14, you heard me say I'm going away and I'm going back to Father, if you love me. You would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than me. He's saying the Father is greater than he is in the sense that where the Father is, that's where he belongs. He belongs in the glory he had with the Father before the world uh, came into being. And that's where he's going after he dies and rises again. And to want this for Jesus, to want his happiness over our own, is actually to love him. And in that love we'll actually find relief from worries that come with thinking that life is firstly all about us. The other night my uh, daughter was freaking out about um, stuff going on at school the next day and she was really struggling uh, not to think about it and to worry about it. Maybe you had something similar. Uh, So I, I told her a story. I told her a story about counting sheep and there were hundreds of them on a hillside and how sheep after sheep started to inflate and then turn different colours and either float away into the sky or explode in a shower of wool (laughs) (laughs) meh pop and she started to laugh understandably it's pretty funny her worries forgotten and that's just with some ridiculous (laughs) something ridiculous as fat floating and fulminating sheep Imagine what focusing on the supply and glory of God in Jesus might do for our everyday self-centred worries. It's certainly what Jesus wanted his disciples to focus on in their worries by praying in his name. As he says in sentence 13, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I'll do it to ask Jesus for anything in his name it's to asking for something he wants something he's promised something consistent with who he is and what he's on about and he says he'll do it precisely so that the father is glorified in the sons God is glorified as he answers prayers in Jesus name the best way then to shift our focus from our self-centered worries onto the totally transcendent is to find out what Jesus wants what he's promised what he's like and to pray for those things in his name, ultimately ultimately to glorify the Father in the Son. Because God is glorified in Jesus. And that to know this God, to know this God in Jesus, is actually to know God is always with us and amazingly in us. Which brings us to the second point, God is glorified in Jesus so that we might know God with us and in us. Now, there's a bunch of things that Jesus tells his disciples here uh, to help them, to comfort them uh, in their worry about him leaving. Like he's going to prepare a place for them in his father's house, uh, which he's coming back to take them to. That famously and wonderfully, he's the way to the father. Uh, that incredibly, they'll do even greater works than the works that Jesus did. But, but I reckon uh, the most wonderful com- comfort that Jesus promises is to know God himself. And have him with us and in us by the Holy Spirit. Which he says, verse 10 to 15, If you love me, keep my commands. Primarily the command to trust him. And as we do that, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. See, Jesus promises to ask the Father to give those who trust in him and obey him to give them the Holy Spirit to help them. Firstly, by being with them forever. Now remember, the Holy Spirit is holy and truly God. And Jesus says those who trust him will know God, the Holy Spirit, for he lives with them and in them. So as much as they might think Jesus is leaving them as God, he promises by the Holy Spirit that he's not going to leave them as orphans. Sentence 18, he says, I, I won't leave you as orphans. I'll come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you'll see me. You know, after he rises from the dead, they'll see him, they'll touch him. Hundreds of them will, but particularly these special 11 guys, they'll see him, they'll touch him, they'll talk with him, they'll interact with him. And because of this, he says, because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realise that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. On the day Jesus rises from the dead, he sees his disciples, having seen him back in the flesh, they'll realise in a much fuller way that he's in his Father. They'll know God as the Father of Jesus, the Son, in whom they are as they believe in him and who is with them and in them forever. forever. How? By the Holy Spirit. So verse... uh, Sentence twenty-three. Jesus replied, "Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and He will come to them and make, and we will make our home with them. Whoever trusts in Jesus and His teaching, He says, His Father and Himself, they will come and make their home with them. They'll be in them by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who teaches and reminds Jesus' first disciples of uh, of all that He has said." As he says in sentence 23, all that I've spoken while still with you, all this I've spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. The Son. And the Father send the Holy Spirit into all who believe in Jesus, and for these first disciples of Jesus, those who were told this by Jesus way back then, after Jesus has risen from the dead and gone back to the Father, the Holy Spirit will teach them and remind them of everything Jesus said to them. And this passage here, in fact, the whole Gospel of John, in fact, the whole Bible, indeed the whole Bible is a product of people being carried along by the Holy Spirit as they wrote it. That means not only is God living in those who trust in Jesus by the Holy Spirit, he's also speaking to them in the Bible by the same Holy Spirit. Now, By virtue of the Holy Spirit living in all those who trust in Jesus and speaking to us in the Bible, without presumption then, we can say we know God. And to know God is to have peace. As Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I don't give you, give to you as the world gives. The peace Jesus promises here, it's more than just a feeling. Because good feelings, well, that's, that's what the world promises. But they come and go, don't they? In contrast, Jesus says he gives a different kind of peace. A peace that remains when peaceful feelings don't. A transcendent peace. As the Apostle Paul in the Bible says elsewhere, don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When anxious and feeling no peace in the world, in ourselves, with life, our life, we're to pray in Jesus' name. And we're promised something transcendent as we do it the peace of God that is the peace that God has within himself his unflappableness that nothing we think say or do can shock him to reconsider his disposition towards us that by trusting in Jesus the Father's love for us is unwavering no matter how bad we might think we are or how undeserving we might think we are of his love in Jesus God is with us to guard our hearts and our minds from thinking otherwise. God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit in us, is in us and he will never leave us. To know God then in Jesus is profound and a great comfort. Profound in a number of ways. Firstly, it's the impossible made possible the incomprehensible unfathomable almighty uncreated God deeming to live with and in finite creatures such as us that's that's incredible and him then stooping down and down and down and down to make it possible for us to know something of him father son and holy spirit that that is deeply moving who loves us that we might love him back that's that's the impossible, made wonderfully possible. To know God like this in Jesus, is just, it's just simply profound. It's the most sublime, profound thing that you can know. More profound than even knowing everything, or having access to knowledge on everything. Like what the internet promises, yeah? How many times have you heard it said, don't know? Google it. God Google but how many times has Google failed you? I went to see uh, the artist uh, Agnes Obel Friday week ago and her band. She had uh, three very talented women playing along with her, two celloists and a uh, percussionist. They were absolutely brilliant. And I wanted to follow them up. I knew Agnes Obel, but I wanted to follow up the other three to see what music they themselves are making. But Do you think I could find them anywhere on Google? No. No, I could not. Google sucks. <laughs> and yet, by contrast, God knows each of those women by name. And every hair on their head. And the music they make. And that they're going to make. And the instruments they play. Down to the atomic level. Google is godlike about as much as a sick monkey in Tauranga is Godzilla. But even more than this, God, who stands outside of all human knowledge and experience, wants to be known. I read something uh, somewhere recently that there is no such thing as the present. You can't live in the now because as soon as you say it's now, or think it's now, it becomes the past, right? And so there's no such thing as the present. You can't actually be in it. There's just the past, and then there's the future. In some ways, you might say the present is the end of time. Mm. It stands outside of time. And in this way, it's not too dissimilar to the eternal, right? Which is why the name God gives Moses all those years back, the name that he says to himself, it's so clever, it's so genius. You know what he calls himself, the name that he gives himself? I am. That's so clever. The ever-present one. That's the name he gives himself. The one who always is. Past and present, they're not something to adequately measure him by. He's the eternal present. And Jesus claims to be this God. And that the only way to know this God is through him. I am, he says, the way, the truth and the life to the Father. To know Jesus is to know God. It's to know the one who doesn't just truly know, well, truly know everything, unlike Google, but who staggeringly wants us to know him, the incomprehensible, mind-boggling, sovereign I am. And to know him not just in awe, but to know him intimately as Father, through the Son, by the Holy Spirit, to know this God in Jesus, it's just simply profound. And it's also incredibly comforting, because to know God is to have what everyone, everyone deep down craves, It's to have something truly transcendent, the transcendent with us and in us and always speaking to us in the Bible by the Holy Spirit. In uh, video gaming, for all those gamers out there, I'm sure you've used this, but there's a thing called God Mode. It's a mode of play where the player's character is invulnerable to damage or allows the player to create objects on demand or to be instantly resurrected in the case of death. Now, in some ways... Knowing God in Jesus is like doing life on God mode. Now, that doesn't mean that we'll be invulnerable to damage or be able to do what we want on demand or instantly come back to life when we die, but that in all these things, the physical, the emotional and the psychological damage that we take, the frustrations of not being able to do what we want, the inability to stop ourselves decaying and dying, that in all these things God is with us, amazingly in us the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit now and forever. And as such, as we worry over our life and as the world spins uh, us around on a seemingly endless cycle of day after dreary day or season after dreary season of coming up forever and always just hanging on, that we should trust Jesus' teaching here that God is glorified in Jesus so that we might know God is with us and in us now and forever and then etch into our brains and onto our hearts the those final words of Jesus to us there in sentence 27 as we worry in this life. Peace, I lead with you. My peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. And with that I'm going to pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that life is firstly about you and that is such a relief from the self-centred worries that we often are so obsessed over and caught up in and troubled by. More than that, we thank you that you want us as this almighty, transcendent, the almighty, transcendent God. You want us to know you More than that, you want to be with us. More than that, you want to be in us. Please help us to reckon with that truth, reckon with that desire of yours, and with the possibility of that being a reality by trusting in Jesus, the Son, who reveals and shows us that you are Father, our Father, and with us by your Holy Spirit. May you sustain us and lift us out of the drudgery of this life into the transcendent by knowing you and living with you and you in us as we trust in Jesus. And we pray this in his name. Amen.